Can we all kneel as far as possible for prayer? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for, um, I thank you for this opportunity to share. I pray that you will empty myself of self and that you will give me the words to say. You will clear my mind of any distractions or stress. I pray that you will speak through me and give me the words to say in clarity. Help me to present to your people a message that is timely and a message that they need to hear most. I pray that the uh, truths as told in your word will not lose any of their value by the way that I present it. I pray that you'll give me a humble and uh, teachable spirit as I share what you have shared with me. And I thank you um, for the opportunity to record this as well. Please be with us and especially be with the viewers who may have some preconceived ideas or opinions that were already established before they come to this uh, study. And I pray that you will guide us into all truth and help us to understand uh, just what is the truth. Give us humble and searchable spirits and be the true teacher is my prayer, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we are going to be dealing with the subject of the seven trumpets. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there are basically two underlying views with these seven trumpets. Uh, there's one class who would have the seven trumpets of uh, Revelation 8 and 9 to be in the future, um, together with where the plagues are being poured out and the judgments of God at the end of the world, at the close of probation. And there's another class who, um, like our pioneers, believe that the seven trumpets had a historical fulfillment and was fulfilled um, in the past for the most part. And I would um, like to, to look at the new view or look at the old view and compare it with Scripture and see which one holds up the um, holds water. So this is going to be our study. So let's begin our Bible study in Revelation chapter eight. If you will turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter eight, we're going to look at these seven trumpets. And amen when you're there. Amen. amen. And Revelation. Uh, 8 and verse 2, the Bible says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven what? Trumpets. Trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints, of all saints, um, prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came up, came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. And there was voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. So in Revelation chapter 8, we have introduced these seven trumpets held by these seven angels, each one having a trumpet. So to understand what this is dealing with, um, let's turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 10. We're going to look at what does it mean 
for a trumpet in Bible prophecy. In the Bible, what were trumpets used for? And we can allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 8 and 9. And I would encourage everyone to take notes so that they can share this with other people and uh, so that we can study it again instead of just hearing it once. And those who are listening, please pause the video, find a notepad, and uh, begin to take notes as well. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 8. The Bible says, And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the what? With the trumpets. And they shall be to you for an ordinance for how long? Forever throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then ye shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies." So here we find an ordinance to the people of Israel was to blow their trumpets, and this ordinance was to be forever. Whenever they want to sound an alarm of war, trumpets in the Bible denotes a warfare taking place, and it's an alarm of war. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter uh, 4. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 19. Amen when you're there. Jeremiah 4.19 The Bible says, My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of a trumpet, the alarm of war. So again, trumpets in the Bible is an alarm of war. Trumpets means battles. And the very fact that um, God is using trumpets here in Revelation 8 is showing that he's depicting wars. Now, who was it that holds these trumpets? Angels. Angels. So, these are God's angels who have these trumpets. It is God who is declaring war against someone else. But now we've got to ask the question, who in the history of the world, who in Bible prophecy, who in the great controversy does God war with? The devil. So let's go to, uh, yes, Satan. God wars with Satan. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Let's look at this. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 12 and verse 7. The Bible says, who does God war with? Who, what are these trumpets warring against? Verse 7, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So God is fighting. He has a war against the dragon. Now, who is this dragon? Well, verse 9 tells us it's the devil and Satan, yes. But verse 4 goes into a little bit more detail as well. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the who? Verse 4. Are you all following along? Revelation 12 and verse 4. I'm going to begin again. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the who? The woman, amen, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as, it was, as soon as it was born. 
So this dragon is ready to devour this this man-child of this woman. Verse 5. Let's look at this man-child. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now Matthew 1.23 tells us this man-child is Jesus Christ. And this man-child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Mark 16.9 says that when he was received up unto heaven, he sat at the right hand of God. And this, uh, he was to rule all nations. Well, look at Revelation 19. And it is Jesus who comes as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he's going to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now, this dragon is going to uh, try to devour Jesus as soon as he was born. And who was this? Well, we know this was Herod. Herod tried to massacre all the babies who were under two years old and uh, trying to kill, devour Jesus as soon as he was born. And Herod was a king of what nation? Rome. Rome. uh, Herod was a king of Rome. Thus, the the dragon primarily represents Satan, but in a secondary sense is a symbol of pagan Rome, according to Great Controversy 438, paragraph 2. And again... So, God is warring against Rome, and this is what these seven trumpets are dealing with. And also, you have, uh, if you remember the Battle of Jericho, when they sounded the trumpet, what happened to Jericho? The The walls fell. The nation came crumbling down. Trumpets in the Bible denote a fall of the nations as a result of these wars. So, when we see these seven trumpets with these... um, these trumpets are God's war against the nation of Rome. It is going, we are going to be find in Revelation 8 a description of the fall of the uh, Western Roman Empire. And uh, we can turn back to Revelation chapter 8. Let's look at these, uh, seven, these, these first four trumpets very briefly. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 7. The Bible says... The first angel sounded, verse 8, and the second angel sounded, verse 10, and the third angel sounded, verse 12, and the fourth angel sounded. So, in, And then the very last verse, uh, we find bef- the whole chapter of Revelation 8 describes the first four trumpets of, uh, of the apocalypse, of Revelation. And... So, while chapter 8 is dealing with the first four trumpets, there is how many left that need to be sounded? There's three. And we can find with these three, in verse 13, it says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. There's three woes to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. So, I want to share this in a simplistic way, but the last three trumpets are associated with these last three woes. And um, in order to understand the first two woes, we need to study Revelation 9. But in order to understand the third woe, it is mentioned again in chapter 11 which is kind of interesting, um, to me at least, in order to understand the three woes, you have to go to chapters 9 and 11. I wonder why. 
So this dragon is Rome. And this is a theme throughout prophecy, trumpets denoting warfare. And um, this is, the Rome is always trying to war against God's people. It's the great controversy. And the very fact that there's seven, the, the number seven denotes a complete cycle. It's a prophetic timeline. It's a perfect history of these warfares of God um, and Satan through his, his kingdom of Rome warring against each other. And God is bringing forward these, um, these trumpets. And again, we're going to find out, are these trumpets past, present, or future? So turn with me to Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15, and we're going to begin in verse 5. The Bible says, Amen when you're there. Revelation 15, 5. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. So the seven last plagues are the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. The temple was filled with what? Smoke. Smoke from the glory of God and from his power, that no man was able to enter the temple till the seven last plagues were fulfilled. So we find during these seven plagues, uh, no man's able to enter the temple by reason of the smoke. Now, what does this mean that the sanctuary is filled, the sanctuary in heaven is filled with smoke, that no man is entered until the seven last plagues are finished? Turn with me to Second Chronicles. We're looking at this symbol of this smoke being filled, which prevents uh, any man to enter the sanctuary. Second Chronicles in chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13 through 14. The Bible says, It came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanksgiving uh, the, and in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. And we know the house of God is the sanctuary. And in Second Chronicles 5, it shows that the, the sanctuary is filled with a cloud. This is the same symbolism we find during these seven last plagues. Verse 14, what does this mean? Uh, Verse 13 and 14. Uh, Verse 14 says, So that the priest could not stand to minister. Why? By reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So these priests, which is a symbol of Jesus Christ, our great high priest in heaven, when the the sanctuary is filled with a cloud it mean, and no man can enter, that means Jesus Christ, the priest, could not stand to minister. Jesus is no longer ministering in the heavenly sanctuary. And if Jesus is not mediating on man's behalf, then uh, we, this is why these seven last plagues fall, because there is nothing 
uh, in between a, uh, the vengeance of God and a guilty man. So the seven last plagues, the wrath of God, begins to be poured out upon the people of the world. So the seven last plagues is when there is a symbol of the close of probation, these, uh, the cloud inside the sanctuary. But we can look, what is the purpose of these seven trumpets? Why were they given? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. Why did God bring these seven trumpets? And the answer is found in Revelation 9 and verse 20. Amen when you're there. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these, what? I'm going to read this again. Yes, plagues. And the rest of these men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. So we find that these seven, these seven trumpets, which is described in chapters 8 and 9 of Revelation, are called uh, plagues for one. But these plagues, it says that they, um, the purpose of these is that it will bring these people to repentance of their idols and their fornication and their thefts. Which, if you look at these uh, descriptions, it's the exact same description given to the Catholic Church in, um, say, the seven churches. You can compare the two. But uh, these, these trumpets were judgments on Rome to bring them to repentance. Now, we just studied the seven last plagues is after the close of probation, thus the seven last plagues are poured out. Now, when your probation is completely closed, when everyone has heard the gospel and everyone has made a decision for or against God and they've rejected the gospel, is this now time to repent and be converted? No. no. There is no point to uh, repent. There is no, no one's going to choose to repent when the seven last plagues are poured out. But here, these seven trumpets of Revelation 8 and 9 uh, this is to bring them to repentance. They're two separate uh, trumpets. They're, they're different time periods, different events. And yet the Bible calls them plagues. Now what's interesting about this, uh, Revelation 9.20 calls them plagues. The seven last plagues at the end of the world are called seven last plagues. The very fact that they're called last implies that there must be a first, right? Is that fair to say? So there must be a first plagues if there's seven last plagues. The trumpets are the seven first plagues. But these trumpets, these judgments on Rome, are the first plagues on Rome, but it's the wrath of God mixed with mercy. But in Revelation 14, the third angel's message, dealing with the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, without mercy, this is the seven last plagues when the close of probation on the world has taken place. These are two separate events, yet they're both plagues. They're not the same. The seven trumpets are the seven first plagues. And we find the Bible uses a, um, a theme in Bible prophecy. It's repeat and enlarge. You go into a little detail. For instance, Daniel 2, you see a skeleton sketch of all the theme of prophecy you're going to find. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, 
And then the divisions of Rome, you have the ten kings and into ten different tribes. And in Daniel chapter 7, you have Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome with the ten horns, the ten divisions of Rome. And uh, the Bible constantly uses repeat and enlarge, repeat and enlarge. It goes over the same events, but it goes into more detail. And these seven last trumpets are really just a repeat, repetition and enlargement upon these ten divisions of Rome. Because these ten tribes, these Germanic tribes, caused the fall of Rome, which is uh, symbolized by a trumpet. The seven trumpets are dealing with the Germanic tribes that are attacking Rome and create the divisions of Rome. It just enlarges upon this subject, which in other places of prophecy, they all mention it, but they don't go into much detail. Revelation 8 and 9 is the detail of this division of Rome. So you don't have the handout, but um, those who are viewing can see the handout. And this, this quote comes from Great Controversy 392, paragraph 2. Uh, we find... As early as 1842, the direction given in this prophecy to write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Sister White is quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2. Had suggested to Charles Fitch a preparation of a prophetic chart to illustrate the visions of Daniel and Revelation. The publication of this chart was regarded as a fulfillment of the command given by Habakkuk. And this was the chart. In 1842, the Spirit of God moved upon Charles Fitch to devise this prophetic chart. And uh, it has 1843 here because... um, it was, it was uh, used a year before to illustrate that these time prophecies were going to end in their lifetime. And uh, this was generally fulfill, um, regarded as a fulfillment by Adventism as a fulfillment of Habakkuk. And we find on this chart, we have on the bottom right-hand corner, you have these trumpets. You have these two uh, uh, woes, the last, two, the last three trumpets dealing with the last three woes. And um, does anyone know what that word says? Mahometans. The Adventists generally understood um, these last two, uh, the first two woes, the fifth and the sixth trumpet, to be dealing with the Mahometans. And what is a Mahometan? A Mahometan is someone who follows the prophet Muhammad. And uh, these were the uh, Islamic power of the Middle East. And that is what the, our, the Adventists believed was uh, dealing with the sixth and fifth trumpet. So this next quote comes from Review and Herald, January 19th, 1905, paragraph 22. Um, We are trying to compare the old view, the old understanding, the pioneer view of the seven trumpets with this new theology that's taking place. We have uh, new views that throws the trumpets far into the future. But my question is, has God given us a reason to bring in this new message of uh, futurism and applying these seven trumpets in the future as not having a fulfillment? Has God given us this authority to bring in this new theology? Review and Herald states, We have, as John, a message to bear of the things which we have seen and heard. God is not giving us a new message 
We are to proclaim the message that in 1843 and 1844 brought us out of the other churches. And what message do you think they were proclaiming in 1843 and 1844? It was the same message. That message was these trumpets. Part of it was dealing with the historical fulfillment of these seven trumpets. And God is not giving us a new message. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we find again in 5th Manuscript Release, page 202, paragraph 4, it says November 1st, 1850, God has showed me the necessity of getting out a chart. Ellen White gets a vision from God that we need to have a chart. I saw it was needed and that the truth be made plain upon tables. Again, she's quoting from Habakkuk. would affect much and cause souls to come to the knowledge of the truth. So whatever this chart, that she has this vision in 1850 of November, that this chart is going to have the truth on it, and it's going to help you, it's going to help I, and you're going to, it's going to help many people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And in the next paragraph, she tells us what it is. On our return to Brother Nichols, the Lord gave me a vision and showed me that the truth must be made plain upon tables. That's quoting from Habakkuk. It would cause many to come uh, to decide for the truth by the third angel's message. This chart, if you look, it says, O Nichols, this is Brother Nichols, after Sister White had left his house, he, in response to her vision, devised this prophetic chart in 1850. And um, she says it would cause many to come to knowledge of the truth and that... uh, It would cause many to decide for the truth by the third angel's message. This chart, 1850 chart, has the third angel's message. And she continues, with the two former, the two former angel's messages being made plain upon tables. So the 1843 chart has the first and second angel's message. The 1850 chart has the third angel's message. And on the 1850 chart, you'll find that basically about one-third of the entire chart is solely devoted to their understanding of woe, 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 the seven trumpets, Revelation 9, dealing with, again, the Mahometans. This was um, our pioneer understanding. And when we are trying to apply this to something other than uh, the, the historical, the judgments on Rome, trying to throw them onto the future, then we are, in essence, denying the first and second and third angels' messages. This is throwing the foundation. So we can find... So I'm going to write on the whiteboard, and I would like to ask you guys a question. Um, In... We have the sanctuary. God gave us a sanctuary so that we can understand... uh, Bible prophecy, so that we can understand um, what what happens in the end of the world. And my question is, was Jesus sacrificed? We have the altar of sacrifice. Was Jesus sacrificed in heaven? No. no. He was sacrificed on the earth. Now you have the laver where the priests would mix their hands in water to wash them. Was Jesus baptized in heaven? No, he wasn't. That was on the earth. The outer courtyard is a symbol of Jesus' ministry on earth. But when did he was uh, he, that prophet on earth, but when he 
when did he start his uh, high priestly ministry? When was he uh, took on the priestly room? After he ascended. When Christ ascended, Hebrews says, uh, 7.25 says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Jesus ascended, um, and he lives to make intercession as a priest. Now, when Christ went to heaven, um, was he... Did he go straight into the most holy place? No. no. Okay, so if he didn't go into the most holy place, where was he our high priest at? In the, In the holy place. When did Jesus ascend into heaven? 31 AD. 31 AD, you find the holy place ministry of Jesus. Now, when did Jesus go into the most holy place? 1844. We understand this from Daniel chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. The 2300 days. So, Jesus went to heaven in uh, 31 AD, began his ministration in the holy place. He moved into the most holy place in 1844. Now, I say this because if we find Jesus, if we're looking through prophecy, and uh, wherever Jesus is depicted in um, Revelation, then we can understand when this chapter is fulfilled, when uh, is this taking place? Because if he is somewhere near the holy place, then this is sometime between 31 AD and before 1844. But if he's in the most holy place, it's going to be after 1844 that this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Does that make sense? Amen. So let's uh, begin our study. Let's turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11. We're going to look at the seven churches. Revelation 1 and verse 11. Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says in verse 11, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Here's these seven churches. And I turned to see the voice which spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. When uh, John sees a vision of these seven churches, where is Jesus Christ? He's next to the seven-branch candlestick and the holy place, which tells us that the seven churches begins in Christ's holy place ministry. It has to be sometime after 31 AD, sometime before 1844. And the seven churches is dealt with in chapter 1 of Revelation, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And it finds its fulfillment majority in the holy place. And we can continue to look. That's uh, chapters 1 through 3. What about chapter 4? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4. And amen when you're there. Yes, Revelation chapter 4, verse 4. 4 through 5. Amen. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were what? Seven 
seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So Revelation 4 shows these seven lamps. And it's interesting to note, uh, yes, this history, Revelation 4 and 5, dealing with the seven uh, seals, it begins in, um, the, in the holy place ministry. And it's interesting to note that the 24 elders were around um, during this time as well. So let's go to Revelation 5 and verse 5. Uh, one more chapter. It says, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So these seven seals, when are these taking place? Verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Now the seven seals was these, these odors with the prayers of the saints is the altar of incense. This is the language that is being spoken of, which is in the holy place. So the seven seals primarily takes place in the holy place. You understand my logic? Amen? Amen. So let's look at the two witnesses. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 11. It is highly important that we have an understanding of the sanctuary because without the foundational premise of the sanctuary, we will come into all sorts of false doctrines. We have no anchor to tell us when does this time prophecy begin, when does it end, and is it future, past, present, what's going on? Praise the Lord for the sanctuary message. Amen? Amen. Amen. Revelation 11 and verse 1. The two witnesses. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and then that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot, for forty and two months, which we know is a 1260 from 538 to 1798. This is the dark ages of papal persecution. So these two witnesses, verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. So these two witnesses are called the two candlesticks. They are in the holy place. So this Revelation uh, chapter 11, this is mainly taking place before 1844. This is the beginning. This is a fulfillment. So if we want to throw the two witnesses some far in the future, which many people do, and I've heard Adventists try and do this as well, that the two witnesses are going to come, uh, Moses and Elijah, you know, Elijah or someone, and they're going to die, and um, it's all nonsense because uh, the, through the sanctuary we understand the time frame that these two witnesses are going to take place. So, at last, we can turn to Revelation chapter 8, and let's look at these seven trumpets. If we can find, if we can identify where Jesus is in the, holy, in, in the sanctuary, we can understand when are these seven trumpets taking place. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 2, And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much what? Incense. Incense. 
that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the brazen altar? Golden altar. This is the holy place, um, which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. So are the seven trumpets future? No. How do you know this? Because it's in the holy place. This is before 1844 that the seven trumpets is introduced in the Bible. This is another very clear um, way. And one reason why we, um, we want to throw them in the future is because we have lost our foundation of the sanctuary. Now, I want to transition a little bit. I want to focus more so on the seventh trumpet. Because if we can show when the seventh trumpet began, uh, began to sound, and if it began to sound in 1844, and we can prove this from the Bible, then this would clearly tell us without a shadow of a doubt the other six trumpets had to take place before 1844, right? That would be clear if we can prove this from the Bible. So... Uh, we can, we can look at this. Let's uh, continue on in Revelation chapter. Let's go back to Revelation 11 with these uh, seven trumpet, uh, these two witnesses, which we know is the Old and the New Testaments. And uh, a great controversy. Page, I mean, chapter 15 has a whole chapter devoted on these two witnesses. It's called the Bible and the French Revolution. If you're unfamiliar with this, I would encourage you to read this chapter, chapter 15. So. In, um, we understand that at the end of the 1260, what happened? The Pope took a deadly wound, correct? Who gave him the deadly wound? What nation? France. France. Majority of Adventism understands that France took a deadly wound to uh, the Catholic Church. Now, again, with this repeat and enlargement, God goes, repeats the same history of France, but goes into even more detail in Revelation chapter 11. It describes the French Revolution and even more detail enlarged upon on what is taking place with France. And um, we can read in verse 14, dealing with this seventh trumpet, uh, it says in verse 14, The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Verse 15, and the seventh angel, what? Sounded. And there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, yes, but Revelation 11 is describing the French Revolution, which is taking place in 1798. Now, shortly after the French Revolution, um, the seventh angel sounds. And um, this also tells us a, gives us a clue of when this, um, the seventh angel begins to sound. And verse 19 makes it even more clear. It says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Where is the ark of the testament? The most holy place. When did Jesus enter the most holy place? 1844. So the seventh trumpet begins sounding in 1844 when Jesus goes into the most holy place. Another way we can tell this, through the sanctuary. And uh, another characteristic given to us in verse 15 is very interesting because it says, when the seventh 
angel sounds, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, when does the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord? The Bible tells us in Daniel, uh, turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. Let's go to Daniel 7 and verse 13. The Bible says, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, this is Jesus, uh, came with the clouds of heavens and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him, Jesus, dominion, glory, and a what? And a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. This is when Jesus, that when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and Jesus Christ and he shall reign forever and ever, shall not be destroyed. It's an everlasting kingdom. Now, Great Controversy 479, paragraph 3, goes into more detail about this. Right after quoting uh, Daniel 7, 13, and 14, the very verses we're reading, She says, The coming of Christ here described is not his second coming to the earth. He comes to the Ancient of Days in heaven to receive dominion, glory, and a kingdom, which will be given him at the close of his uh, work as a mediator. It is this coming and not the second advent to the earth that was foretold in prophecy to take place at the termination of of the 2300 days in 1844. So Revelation 11 uh, describes the sounding of the seven trumpets when Christ, the kingdoms of this world, become the kingdoms of our Lord and Jesus Christ. This is the same time when he comes to the Ancient of Days and receives glory, uh, dominion, and a kingdom. This is 1844 when the seventh trumpet sounds. Now, once we establish this, we can clearly know that the sixth trumpets could not have a future fulfillment or application in any such sense in the future after 1844 because they took place before the seventh trumpet sounds in 1844. Does that all make sense? I'll I'll take questions afterwards. So let's uh, continue to look at the seventh trumpet. And do you mind uh, turning up the AC if you would? Thank you. Appreciate that. So let's go to Revelation chapter 10. Looking at the uh, seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 10, verse 6, the Bible says, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things which therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer, but in the days of the voice of the what? The seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now we're going to look at this mystery of God because the Bible tells us in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God is going to be finished. What is this mystery of God? Turn with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. 
the Bible tells us about this mystery of God. Now to him that has the power to establish you according to my gospel. So we're dealing with the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. The mystery, the revelation of the mystery is the gospel. The mystery of God that needs to be finished uh, as declared to his servants and prophets was the gospel. In verse 26, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. And do you think an everlasting God would have an everlasting gospel? Amen. Made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. This uh, mystery of God that needs to be finished in the days of the seventh angel is the gospel. But let's, con- uh, let's continue in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 26. Colossians 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. This is the mystery of God. Revelation 1 and verse 26. Turn with me quickly. Verse uh, 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. We're looking, what is this mystery of God, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? And that glory is character. This is the result of the everlasting gospel, is to bring the character of Christ into us. Verse 28 continues, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man, what? Perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the finishing of the mystery of God that needs to take place um, in the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Now, I want to ask you a question. We know when the seven last plagues are falling, this is the close of probation. God is not ministering in the heavenly sanctuary any longer. Now, if Revelation 10 tells us in the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God needs to be finished, and the close of probation is at the seven last plagues, what would be the point in proclaiming the mystery of God, the gospel, or is is the seven last plagues time to perfect our character? Is the seven last plagues time to receive the gospel? No, it isn't. And yet we find the Bible tells us in the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God is to be finished. And we find that this seventh trumpet cannot uh, be dealing with the seven last plagues it, it has to begin in 1844. And um, we can go back to Revelation 10 because I want to point something out as well. Turn with me to Revelation 10 and uh, verse 11. After the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the Bible says in verse 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again to many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Who are you going to prophesy to if the seven trumpets are dealing with the seven last plagues? Their probation is closed. This is not the time to receive the gospel. This is not what is uh, being described as the uh, 
as the trumpets. But also, um, I'd like to read verse 6 one more time. Um, the very last phrase of verse 6, it says that there should be time no longer, verse 7, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound. So we find when the seventh angel sounds, the angel declares there is time no longer. Now what time is this? This is... 1844, when you study the, if you study in more detail Revelation 10, you'll find this is describing the Advent people who are studying these truths right here. And in 1844, they come to a great disappointment. John eats the little book of Daniel and it's bitter in his belly, but sweet in his mouth. This is a bitter disappointment when Christ didn't come in 1844. But this is describing 1844 when there's time no longer and the seventh angel sounds. But we're looking at this time. 19 manuscript releases, page 320, paragraph 4, tells us this time which the angel declares with a solemn oath is not the end of this world's history, neither of probationary time, but of prophetic time, which should precede the advent of our Lord. And she continues to say, Jesus, uh, in early writings, uh, 243, paragraph 2, 243, paragraph 2 of early writings, Jesus did not come to the earth as the waiting, joyful company expected to cleanse the sanctuary by purifying the earth by fire. I saw that they were correct in their reckoning of the prophetic periods, plural. Prophetic time closed in 1844. Um, This time no longer is there is no more time prophecies. Now, there's still events that need to take place. We understand that the Sunday law needs to pass. Michael needs to stand up. The plagues are still going to fall. But we don't have time prophecies associated to these prophetic events. Um, before, they looked forward to prophetic ev- uh, to events by time. Now, we look back at history and we see what is fulfilled. And um, now, now, here's where my problem is. If the... When the seventh angel sounds, there's time no longer. There's no more time prophecies. Now, if these seven trumpets are dealing with the seven last plagues, why is it Revelation 9, the fifth and the sixth trumpet, have time prophecies connected to them? The five months time prophecy, the 391 days and 15 days. Why is there time prophecies connected with the fifth and sixth trumpet if there's time no longer and they're in the future? It's because they're not in the future they're before 1844. So let's uh, look at these before we close. Let's go to Revelation chapter 9. And um, Revelation chapter 9 and verse 3. The Bible says, this is the fifth trumpet, the first woe. And there came out of the smoke of the locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass, of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men would have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, a lot of people have an issue with this. How is Revelation 9 dealing with history if it talks about the seal of God in their foreheads? Right? Have anyone ever heard that? I have. The reason is because the seal of God was not only is not only going to be given during the mark of the beast. Has people received the seal of God in the past? Yes, they have. We're told that the seal of God is a settling into truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so that they cannot be moved. And uh, has anyone been settled into the truth, intellectually, spiritually, in times past? Yes, they have. And uh, if you're taking notes, we don't have time to go there. You can jot down Ephesians 1.13. 
these people uh, were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. This is in the early church. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. God, um, it says that now he which established us with, uh, with you in Christ, he hath anointed us, is God, who hath sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit into our hearts. So the Corinthian church, some of the people there have settled into the truth intellectually and spiritually. Some people have received the seal of God before um, the, the final sealing at the end of the world. So uh, Revelation 9 is history. So let's begin and uh, pick up in verse um, 5. It says, dealing with the fifth trumpet, the first woe, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented. How long? Five months. This is a time prophecy. And in order to understand time prophecy, we apply each day for a year. So we have to time, and there's 30 days in a biblical month. 30 times 5 is 150 prophetic days, which is a symbol of 150 literal years. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. After 1844, there is no more time prophecies. But here we find 150 years prophesied. And uh, how do we know? And remember, our pioneers, we understood this first, first trumpet. Well, this one's a better one. We understood this first trumpet as dealing with the Mahometans. And it says, first woe commenced. 1299. Why did the first woe begin? The 150 years begin in 1299? Let's read verse 11. It says, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, there come two woes hereafter. Um, this this uh, first woe is dealing with having a king over them. It's dealing with five months, and the woe is being passed. In 1299, the Mahometans were gathered together by a man named Othman, and he founded the Ottoman Empire. He united the Mahometans together in one nation. Thus, they had a king. And in 1299, he became their king and started warring against Rome uh, for 150 years. But he could not overthrow them. And then we find uh, in 150 years, this was July 27, 1299, but 150 years later is 14, and it's right here, it's 1449, July 27th. And this is when um, this is when the second woe begins. And we can find that there is, again, there's time connected with the second woe. Let's go to Revelation 9 and verse 15. Or nine, begin in verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. This golden altar is again the altar of incense. This is before 1844 in the holy place. Verse 14 saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels which are loose, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. 
And if you do the math, it's 391 years and 15 days. From July 27th, 1449, 391 years later, uh, you will end in August 11th, 1840. And using this time prophecy, Revelation 9.15, a guy by the name Josiah Litch had predicted the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Just pure calculations of this time prophecy. And in August 11th, 1840, the Ottoman Empire ceased their supremacy. And it completely uh, fulfilled this um, time prophecy. But uh, I would like to close with one more quote. Spirit of Prophecy endorses this interpretation of the 150 years time period of the first, the, the fifth trumpet and Josiah Litch's prediction. Great Controversy, 334, paragraph 4. In the year 1840, another remarkable fulfillment of prophecy excited widespread interest. Two years before Josiah Litch one of the leading ministers preaching the second advent published an exposition of Revelation 9, the very chapter we were just studying, Revelation 9, predicting the fall of the Ottoman Empire, which is a Islamic empire. Um, according to his calculations, this power was to be overthrown in A.D. 1840, sometime in the month of August, and only a few days previous to its accomplishment, he wrote, allowing the first period, 150 years, which we just studied, to have exactly fulfilled before Diakosis ascended the throne by permission of the Turks, which is the, their, their Mohammedans, and the 391 years and 15 days commenced at the close of the first period. It will end on 11th of August, 1840, when the Ottoman power in Constantinople may be expected to be broken. And uh, she says, at the very time specified, the event exactly fulfilled the prediction. So, Revelation 9 has time prophecies, but after 1844, there is no more time prophecies. So, um, I would like to, to close with a summary. And let's, let's review what we have learned today. We have learned that in 1905, many years after the Great Disappointment, Sister White says, God has not given us a new message. We are to proclaim the same message given us in 43 and 44, which was their understanding of the trumpets. And uh, we also find that the first two angels' messages are found in the 43 chart. The third angel's message is on the 50 chart. And the understanding of the seven trumpets was part of the first and second and third angel's message. If we throw this in the future, we are undermining the foundation of the first, second, and third angel's messages. Um, Revelation 8 begins with the altar of incense, which shows us that this is a time frame from 31 AD to 1844. And the Bible puts the sounding of the seventh trumpet shortly after the French Revolution, around 1798. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, the temple of God was opened in heaven, and you see the Ark of His Covenant, which happened in 1844. And also when the seventh angel sounds, Revelation 11 describes the kingdoms of this world became Christ, which was given to Him at the close of the 2300-day prophecy in 1844. And because the seventh 
Angel begins in 1844, uh, there's the other six trumpets had to have taken place before this time period. And uh, Revelation 10 shows that the mystery of God is to be finished. And this is the, the, the work of the gospel uh, creating a perfect people. And if this is taking place during the plagues of the seventh trumpet, um, after the close of probation, there is no need to spread the gospel. And the nine trumpets, the, the seven trumpets, Revelation 9 tells us, is to bring Rome to repentance. And there's no need to repent after the close of probation. The trumpets could not be dealing with the seven last plagues. And uh, lastly, Revelation 9.15, Josiah Litch was able to correctly predict um, with this view, the pioneer view of the trumpets, the fall of a major world empire at his time. And Great Controversy 3.34 um, endorses his understanding of the seven trumpets. So today we are in the time of the seventh trumpet and it will continue to sound until, 18, uh, until Christ comes. And uh, I hope that we all learned something today and that it could establish us a little further in the gospel truths of the first and second and third angel's message. So can we all kneel as far as possible for prayer? Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for the clarity of your word. I pray that you will be with us and those who are watching. I pray that you will help us in our understanding of uh, the trumpets and most importantly the everlasting gospel. Help us to see in connection with your plan of salvation what is the purpose of uh, you sharing these things because the very name Revelation shows that you want to reveal to us something very special. And in fact, verse 1 says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You want to reveal Jesus Christ, your Son, to us. And Lord, I pray that you will help us all to settle into the truth intellectually and spiritually so that we cannot be moved. Help us to understand um, the position that you have given us as a people and let us not walk away from the foundation, the message that you have given us in 1843 and 1844. And I pray that you will um, be with us and, and help us to give an answer to every man that asketh for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. In Jesus' name, amen.